This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Renee Abergenois, Michael J. Pollard, and Carol Spinney all died uh, this last week or so. And uh, I bring them up. Uh, they're, they're celebrities. Now, I'll talk about each one a little bit individually. Uh, they are celebrities of sorts. And uh, and I know you're thinking I might go into the celebrities die in threes. No, I do not believe the celebrities die in threes. They do not die in threes. People just notice in threes. That's the difference. Uh, because if you've been paying attention in the last week or so, there's been more people, that, uh, celebrities, who have died. Um, Danny Aiello, uh, his death was just announced earlier today. Uh, this being Friday the 13th as I record this, the show will go up on uh, Saturday the 14th of December 2019. And, and then uh, the lead singer, a uh, woman who sang for Roxette, she died earlier in the week. So there's been a few people dying. Celebrity types. Now, um, Renee Abergenois, you may not recognize the name, but you'd recognize him if you saw him, uh, especially if you're, you know, well, if you're a Star Trek fan, you know who he what he is, or you know, who he was. Uh, he played the character of Odo on Deep Space Nine, this, that Star Trek series. He was also a character on uh, the sitcom Benson. Uh, but and in and in movies, you might know him best as uh, he played Father Mulcahy in the film version of Mash, uh, directed by Robert Altman. I believe he was also in another Altman film. I think he was in McCabe and Mrs. Miller. I think he was in that film. Uh, he died, and and uh, Michael J. Pollard may not be a household name, but you'd recognize him if you saw him if you know movies. Uh, probably his most um, recognizable role was uh, a character he played in the film um, Bonnie and Clyde uh, with Ned Beatty and Faye Dunaway. He was the young fellow that hooked up with with Bonnie and Clyde, and he would drive the car and and uh, uh, work on it. He was kind of a mechanically inclined kid. Uh, and he was also in an episode, here's a Star Trek connection, he was also in an episode of Star Trek, the original series. I believe the episode was called Miri. It was an episode in which uh, the Star Trek crew encounter a planet, very much like Earth, in which all the adults develop some kind of a disease which uh, drives them crazy and makes them violent and attack 
uh, other people, and uh, uh, eventually they die. And uh, the, there's so the planet is, you know, the the kids run things. Uh, and Michael J. Pollard plays one of the older kids, just a little bit younger than Miri, who plays the oldest of the kids in this particular group that uh, Kirk and and crew are dealing with. Uh, so, you know, he's, you might recognize him from that. Uh, Carol Spinney, I don't think you'd recognize if you saw the man, although uh, I think he does more than just this one character that he's known for. He's probably the best known of the three as far as the character he plays, or played. He's a puppeteer, and he was Big Bird. Uh, there was another... Uh, puppeteer that would do Big Bird, but uh, uh, Carol uh, Spinney was the was the the main guy do, uh, playing Big Bird. Uh, I bring these guys up because something interesting happened this past week, and uh, and it was uh, it involves a podcast that I listened to. Now it's uh, Gilbert Gottfried's podcast. It's called um, his main podcast is called called the Amazing Colossal podcast, or Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. That's what it's called. Uh, but it also has a, uh, a mini uh, mini episodes that they will drop in between the main episodes. And they're called uh, Gilbert and Frank's Amazing Colossal Obsessions. Frank being the co-host of both shows, a fellow named Frank Santopadre, who's a comedy writer. Um, he's worked uh, on TV shows like The View. He's written for that. He's also written for Mad Magazine. He's and he's a pretty good co-host for Gilbert. And they the 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 main podcast has uh, uh, has them having interviewing people that have something to do with older Hollywood or even old Hollywood. It's generally that's what they have. Uh, people that are getting up there in age where they are beginning to die, like like Rene Abergenois. Uh, Danny, Danny Aiello. In fact, Danny Aiello was a guest on Gilbert's podcast, and and then the the Obsessions podcast, the mini one, is something where it, when it's first started, they were just doing uh, uh, they would bring in movies or talk about movies that they liked and the more ex obscure movies that the two of them liked, and then that branched out into other topics that they would focus on, not always having a guest, and uh, at first. Those mini episodes were available to the regular iTunes downloading podcast listener or wherever you get your podcasts. Normally, uh, that that was part of it. But then at some point, it got put behind a paywall. You had to become a member of Stitcher Prime, if that's what it's called. But you had you had to start paying Stitcher so that you could get these episodes. Well, just this month, I think it was something like December sixth, they dropped. All the episodes of the of the mini ones, the of the obsessions episodes, because I'm not sure what's changed other than I think they're not affiliated with Stitcher anymore. So they've taken their podcasts and opened them up for everybody else. They will continue to have uh, bonus content for people who will who are patrons, uh, but now we get to hear all these obsession episodes, and it's like it's like a couple hundred of them, and I've been binging right through them. I've been listening to them and listening to them. Now, these go back, I don't know, two, three years, maybe more, but three years, somewhere around there, the the earliest ones. And I've been listening to them. And it was uh, Tuesday night. It was my long night. 
uh, for you know two cents my long day put in my eight-hour day and then I clean two buildings at that night I check on a third one I'm doing that now so that night goes another five hours on top of the eight hours I put in earlier in the day and with travel time a little bit more but you know, uh, gotta make money so what are you gonna do and I was listening to Gilbert's uh, the Obsessions episodes. And I was just kind of picking them. I thought, oh, yeah, I'll listen to that one. And I listened to it. First one I listened to that day uh, uh, was uh, they mentioned Rene Aubergenois on that episode. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. They mentioned him on that episode. And they said, oh, we should get him on the show. Well, you can't now. He's dead. Uh, then I popped it to the next podcast to listen to uh, of those all those old obsessions episodes and I just picked one out listened to it and somewhere along the line in that episode they mentioned how you know Gilbert appears in movies he auditions for parts and things like that he's lost out on a on a role in a I think it was a Chevy Chase film uh, foul play I think it was that movie where he lost no 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 it wasn't that movie never mind he uh, anyway he lost out of a part in a movie uh, to Billy Barty a uh, famous little person actor. Uh, very famous. It might have been the Foul Play movie, but it might have been some other one. might have been uh, the Mel Brooks film Life Stinks. might have been that one. can't remember for sure. Memory's not videotape, so just go with me here. So he mentioned that he lost out in a part uh, in some movie to a different actor at some other point, and that actor was Michael J. Pollard. All right? I thought, huh, really? Interesting. Well, you're not going to lose out to any parts of him now because he dead. And then I, that podcast ends, go on to another of the Obsession shows, and I pick one out. Now, this one might be a little, uh, you know, more likely to have what happened happen because the topic of the particular episode was the Muppets. They had a guest on who has written a book, and I believe he worked with the Muppets as well, but he had written a book about the Muppets. So they have the guy on. Uh, they're talking about uh, you know the Muppet stuff, and uh, Gilbert talks about some one point where he got to go to their studio or wherever they work out of and bring his kids with them, and, and they wanted to see you know Big Bird. But uh, Gilbert said to them, he says, well, I, I don't want my kids seeing Big Bird if he's just hanging on the wall. Well, Carol Spinney put on the costume and came out and said hello to the kids as Big Bird. Can't do that anymore because he dead. And I just went, hang on. <laughs> Three dead celebrities randomly picked episodes of the Obsessions episodes. They're all done, recorded well before the fellows had died. And I hear the three names in, the, in that succession. Rene Abigenois, uh, Michael J. Pollard and Carol Spinney. I don't know if that's the order that the, these fellows, that the news of their deaths came out, but I think it might be. Coincidence? Well, yes. Yes, that's what it is. It's a coincidence. They happen. There's nothing significant about it. It just, it just happens. Noticed it. Noted it as being interesting. And now let's move on. So Time Magazine has picked their Person of the Year for 2019. And they went with uh, uh, Greta Thunberg. Now, I know that's not how you pronounce her name. 
Um, I have a, a little file here. I should have this ready quicker. Um, but I have a file here that uh, from Wikipedia that gives the proper pronunciation of her name. And I'm going to play it for you just so you get the idea. No, no, I don't want that one. Uh, yeah, that's the one I want. I'm going to play it for you. And this is how, you know, she's, she's a Swedish uh, teenager. And she's, you know, become, uh, well, I'll talk more about her after I play this clip. But I, I will butcher the name if I try to say it. But so when I do say her name, I'll say Greta and, and Thunberg when I say it. But this is how it, it's pronounced. Greta Thunberg. I hope that wasn't too loud. <laughs> do you want me to do it again? Okay, I'll play it again. I'm going hey, to turn it down just a tad. I was looking at the sound levels. It kind of went up, so hopefully it didn't bother you too much. But, uh, okay, I'm going to play it again. Greta Thunberg. One more time. Greta Thunberg. Okay, that's, that's how Wikipedia tells you it's pronounced. Well, why has she been chosen... Uh, the person of the year. Haven't read the article. I'm sorry, but uh, she. I will read from Wikipedia to explain who this young woman is. Uh, or you know, older girl. <laughs> She's not exactly a woman yet. I, you know what I mean. So, uh, Alex, this explains who she is. Uh, let's see. She was uh, born on uh, January 3rd, 2003. She's just about eight months older than my son. Uh, she is a Swedish environmentalist, environmental activist on climate change whose campaigning has gained international recognition. Uh, Thunberg is known for her straightforward manners, uh, speaking manner, both in public and to political leaders and assemblies, in which she urges immediate action to address what she describes as the climate crisis. Thunberg first became known for her activism in August of 2018, when, at age 15, she began spending her school days outside the Swedish parliament to call for stronger action on global warming by holding up a sign saying, in Swedish, school, uh, school strike for the climate. Soon, other students engaged in similar protests in their own communities. Together, they organized a school climate strike movement under the name Fridays for Future, uh, after Thunberg addressed the 2018 United Nations Climate Change Conference, student strikes took place every week somewhere in the world. In 2019, there were at least two coordinated multi-city protests involving over one million students each. At home, Thunberg convinced her parents to adopt several lifestyle choices to reduce their own carbon footprint, including giving up air tra travel, and not eating meat. Her sudden rise to, uh, to world fame has made her a leader and a target. In May 2019, Thunberg was featured on the cover of Time magazine, which named her a next generation leader and noted that many see her as a role model. Thunberg had, let's see, and Thunberg and the school strike movement were also featured in a 30-minute Vice documentary titled Make the World Greta Again, or Greta, I think that's how you, 
I, I, I will butcher it. I'm sorry. Uh, some media have described her impact on the world stage as the Greta Thunberg effect. Uh, Thunberg has been the recipient of numerous honors and awards, including Fellowship of the Royal Scottish Geograph uh, Geographical Society, and in 2019, Time Magazine named her one of the 100 most influential people, and she's the youngest individual Time Person of the Year. Uh, in September 2019, she addressed the UN Climate Action Summit in New York. Thunberg was also nominated for the 2019 Nobel Peace Prize. So quite a lot of achievements for a 16-year-old now. Um, they mention in here she's become a leader and a target. And the thing of this, this target aspect of it is I see a lot of uh, you know, clutching of pearls. Is that, is, hopefully it's not an indelicacy. Just a lot of, oh, oh, how dare she? You know, how dare she talk to us like that? You know, she's just being a tool being used, you know. It's just, and, and I see a lot of uh, attacking the messenger and not the message. Uh, which is, that, that's what you do. If you can't argue the points that she's making, you you argue against her. That's called ad hominem. Uh, so I noticed that there was there was a couple open letters on the internet to her that I found. Uh, one of them is uh, this is on the kind side. Uh, it's on a website called medium.com, and it's written by I think the fellow's name is Sasha uh, Beslik. I mean, that's what it says here. I think it's pronounced Sasha. It's S-A-S-J-A. Is that Sasha? Sasha? Uh, Beslik. Um, and I just want to read just a couple paragraphs from that, just a segment. But I will link to these on the show notes page. Uh, you go to dimland.com and click on the uh, uh, blog. You'll get to the show notes. So you can read the full letters. So you will hopefully see that I'm not just pulling stuff out of context. I'm trying to give this correctly, but uh, I thought these were uh, pertinent uh, points uh, to be made. Um, let me look at the clock here. No, I'm okay for a minute. I'll read uh, this. Uh, these couple paragraphs here, uh, written by this uh, Best Look fellow. He's, uh, he's, a, um, he's the head of Sustainable Finance Division at a, at S, a J. Safra uh, Saracen, uh, the world's leading private bank on sustainable finance. So he's a, he's a money guy. And he says, or he writes, I have been following your environmental activism and how you've inspired millions of young people around the world to raise their voices and demand for, uh, and demand for action on the most immediate threat to, to our future, global warming. There are days when I walk down the streets of Stockholm and feel ashamed of myself, of my generation, and of the work I do. My guilt is not an attempt to excuse or rationalize my generation's inaction on the global warming issue. Rather, it's an acknowledgement of the poor decisions we continue to make and the complex narratives we developed to justify our lack of courage. He goes on then to talk about how generationally uh, they should work together. The younger generations, the older generations, and he, he believes there are ways to make the changes. 
that that we need to make. Maybe not quite as draconian as as Greta is is challenging the world to do, but there's things that we can do to address this to get ourselves off the fossil fuel, uh, which is the main thing we got to do uh, if we're going to have a chance to keep things from getting worse. I will read the uh, next open letter uh, when I get back from this break. Sorry, that's a little slow here, but uh, I'll read the next uh, uh, open letter uh, to her. Uh, you will note a... Oh, there's probably a, um, a little bit of a different attitude to this letter. Uh, I'll, I'll read that to you when I get back. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, on Z-Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and, of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Okay, um, I'm talking about Greta and her being named Person of the Year and a couple reactions to her. And I've been saying that I've been seeing a lot of attack the messenger, not the message, because it doesn't seem like they can mount any good arguments to refute her her strongly urging the world to do something and she's doing she's applying also a fair amount of shame of shaming uh, of the older generations that have allowed this to continue for decades knowing it's a problem this 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 isn't something that just came up in the 90s this goes back a long time let's go back to the 50s it goes back to the, knowing what greenhouse gases are and knowing what's going on it's, it, this goes back a long time. 
Uh, it's just that it, it started to become more and more urgent as time went along. Uh, anyway, um, I have I, I have to put together uh, a bit of a global warming kind of thing show deal a little bit because there's other stuff I want to talk about. I'm not quite ready for it yet, uh, but stay tuned. I'll try to do it. I'm not a great ex expert on explaining how it is we know that uh, global climate change is happening. Even the deniers are not denying that climate change is happening. They're just denying that we have anything to do with it. And even if they, if we do have something to do with it, there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> you know. Uh, anyway, um, I, I'll have. Uh, I, I should have something worked up for a segment there. Uh, you know, maybe I'll reach out to a couple people I know that know more about this stuff that get some help. But okay. I said I had two open letters, and again, I've been pointing this in the direction of the, the attack, the messenger, and not the message. So here's a uh, here's an open letter that's written by a fellow named uh, Jason D. Hill. This is for FrontPageMag.com, and uh, I will link to this on the show notes. I know there's a philosophy of let's not link to this stuff because we don't want to give them clicks and all that kind of stuff, but I, I you know. I do want you to read what he, the, his whole letter, both of them. I want you to read both those whole letters so you can get the context of where of what I'm saying here and hope and understand how I'm putting this these segments I'm pulling out uh, to demonstrate what I think is going on here. Uh, this fellow, uh, let's see, he's a professor of philosophy at DePaul University in Chicago. He's a Shulman Journalism Fellow at the David Horowitz Freedom Center. David Horowitz is a very conservative fellow. I do believe I've read one of his books back in my more conservative days. I think I have. Uh, his, uh, 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 Professor Hill's areas of specialization include ethics, social and political philosophy, American foreign policy, and American politics. He is the author of several books, including We Have Overcome, An Immigrant's Letter to the American People. Okay, well, here's his letter to, to Greta uh, Thun, uh, Thunberg. The truth, as one anonymous blogger aptly put it, is that your generation is unable to work up to 40 hours per week without chronically uh, being chronically depressed and anxious. Its members cannot even decide if they want to be a boy or a girl or both or neither or a they. They cannot eat meat without crying. I might add that your generation needs trigger warnings and safe spaces as preconditions for learning in school. Its members have a pathological need to be coddled and protected from the challenges, the challenging realities of life. Your generation is the biggest demander and consumer of carbon-spewing uh, technological gadgets and devices. An hour without any of them and too many of you succumb to paralyzing lethargy. Your generation is the least curious and most secular set of individuals one has ever encountered. Your hubris extends so far that you think you have nothing to learn from your elders. And you'll forgive me, but my reaction when I read that paragraph was, Fuck you! <laughs> I say that on the behalf of all you young people out there. Remember last week? And I played that segment from Dragnet, you know, with the older fellas haranguing the teenagers who were boomers. The teenagers were the boomers, haranguing them about 
they, they, every, they expect everything to be fast, and they, you know, and they want to change stuff and all this kind, you know, and and kind of giving them the harangue. But it was also a little bit of a, it, there was a little bit of an olive branch offered at the same time. Hey, we're not telling you to give up your ideology and your outrage. Just you know, channel it better. You know, because that's how you change things. That's how the, things change. But here, this guy's saying, screw you, you kids. You know, shut up and get out of my face. You know, go away, kid. You bother me. That's the attitude I'm seeing here. He's not refuting her. In fact, in fact, even within here, he talks about the devices they have. He says, carbon-spewing technological devices. So he he's at, at least tacitly admitting here that carbon is a problem. Carbon's a problem. Why is it a problem? Because it gets up in there in the atmosphere, and it's it's which is a greenhouse gas. You know this this carbon dioxide gets in the atmosphere. It's a greenhouse gas. It it keeps in the the warm air. It doesn't allow it to radiate out back into space. And and, and the more that we pump up into the atmosphere, the more it does that. And and the warmer things get, and you know, and the stuff that can happen, and the problems. And I just I read this and I went he said, you, let's 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 kind of dig through this a little bit. He says uh, your generation is unable to work up to forty hours a week without being chronically depressed and anxious. Well, that's what was that? That's a that's an ad hominem. It's uh, uh, it's it's a uh, where they're he's you know attacking the person. Uh, it's a straw man. We don't know. That you know that the generation is just all these kids, or you know, the way he's making suggesting it, the kids just your generation is unable to work up to forty hours. They can work up. There's probably there's plenty of kids that can work that kind of you know work week. Of course, you know Greta being only sixteen, we're not expecting them to. But it's it's just he's just going after that. You know, ad hominem. Uh, and, and, and straw man aspect to it. Uh, its members cannot even decide if they want to be a boy or girl or both or neither or tr or they. Or they. Uh, that's a non sequitur. And uh, excuse me, Professor Hill, but they can decide what they what they are. It's society people like you who can't accept that these kids. That people, not just kids, I know grown people, I know adults that may not be in my generation, but I know some that are in my generation. I know some that are, I know of some that are older than my generation that have realized that this is what they, they not realized, they knew what they were. They just finally were able to come to a point where to say, this is me. This is who I am. It's not them that's trying to decide whether they're a boy or a girl or whatever. It's society and, you know, old fellas like you, Professor Hill, that can't accept that. That you're just, it makes you uncomfortable. Why? Why? Do, why? Uh, you can't eat meat without crying. Well, you know, I, I'm a meat eater. But if, if, if people cut out meat... Uh, not completely, but if you cut back on meat consumption, lowers the demand for meat because you know meat production does throw greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. I mean the livestock farting and all that. <laughs> Methane is a is a greenhouse gas, and you know the, and the production. If you bring that down, that can help bring a change. I, I you know uh, Greater would probably like to see the whole world do do vegan, but you know baby steps. <laughs> You're not going to get everybody to do it, but 
you know, I eat less meat than I used to before I met Amy, but Amy's, Amy, Amy's a veg, vegetarian, but I still do eat meat. I am probably a little bit of meat each every day, just, uh, still. But not, you know, I'm not eating re red meat as much as I used to. It's just, you know, some changes. Uh, let's see. The trigger warnings and safe spaces are preconditions to the learning in school. Again, this is, you know, it's a straw man. It's throwing something up. So it's like, does that generation really need that? And hey, have you ever thought of stepping back and thinking, you know, maybe the previous generations needed those too. And now in this, it's trying to understand each other environment, uh, an idea of trying to be kind, you know, trying to embrace being kind to other people. Kindness, not being nice, being kind. This is something Pendulette talks about all the time. And maybe maybe this this is bringing the idea that, you know, you know your generation and older generations could probably have benefited from people trying to understand that, hey, you know, this might upset you. Yeah, and we still want those people who might be upset about something to be able to, you know, not tell the world to stop doing that something. You know, if you're, you can't read, you can't write a book that has a rape scene in it or something. You know, we, we don't want that. But it can be warned that there's going to be some stuff in this that might bother some people. Pendulet tells the story of a woman who went to one of the Penn and Teller shows and they were doing a, their one of their tricks where Teller apparently drowns and she was watching the show. She got up and she left as they started the routine and she went out into the lobby and I guess an usher came over and talked to her. She looked visibly upset and he'd and see if she was okay and she said, well, I'm okay but she said, it really, it's it's that you know my brother d died in a drowning accident, and I'm just not ready to see this, and I didn't want to upset the other audience members. Uh, while you know, so I decided to just take myself out of the place, find somewhere safe to be, and not have to deal with it, and not ruin it for everybody else. So, you know, I, I, I can remember I've even said things like I didn't need grief grief counselors when I went to school. Didn't <laughs> grief counselors that we had a kid in class that died. A friend of mine was actually happy that the person died because this kid was a bit of a bully. And and most anybody get hearing the announcements that morning when we found out that he was killed, he was riding his bike, got hit by a car. Uh, when we found out he was killed, most everybody, I think, in the school went, who's that? But the ones that knew him, his friends, I'm sure, were upset. But my friend, the friend of mine, was, was he's good. He was an asshole. <laughs> good. But... You know, they, and I don't recall them saying, if, hey, if you need to talk to somebody, I don't recall that being there. But maybe it should have been. Maybe, you know, how, how much healthier might people be if, if we'd had these kinds of things earlier? Instead of just, you know, rub some dirt in it and you'll be fine. Yeah, that kind of attitude. Uh, anyway, so I, it's just... And then the, your hubris extends so far that you're uh, that you think you have nothing to learn from your elders. Oh, really? Do you, how where where do you think Greta learned about climate change? Do you think she just went out and did the research all herself? Did she not find this from people older than her? You know, she she's listening to her elders. She's learning from her from from, from elders. Sorry, she's learning from her elders. She's just not learning from the elders you want her to learn from. 
the ones that will say, and I go back to this other page, the ones that will say, and this is continuing from Professor Hill, but the ones that will say something like this, Greta, living in complete harmony with nature is the death of creativity. Understand this, all great civilizations were forged in the cubicles of proper exploitation of the earth. Those who lived on land with oil and did nothing with it never had a right to it in the first place. Non-usage of God's resources is the cardinal sin because it results in the undevelopment of our human capabilities and makes us indistinguishable from beasts. Oh, yeah, tell that to the people that built the pyramids. They didn't use oil. I mean, they you know, not the way you wanted them to use oil. They they had I'm sure they had some under the ground at least in the area, but you know in Egypt those those pyramids. You know, tell them, yeah, you know, hey. <laughs> uh, he does talk in his his open letter about how humans have uh, uh, adapt, uh, adapted nature to suit us. They've done that instead of adapting us to suit nature. We've done that. It's true. But it's it's just, oh, man. You know, attack the messenger and not the message. <sighs> so she's person of the year. Oh, and there's a couple other little little things that was uh, reactions on Facebook uh, with her being uh, person of the year. One person uh, took exception to how she's getting her message out. And she's in in this. It's a Facebook friend of mine. In this Facebook friend's estimation, Greta's haranguing, uh, you know, is 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 off-putting. And you know, she 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 shouldn't be speaking that way to adults. I said, you know, sometimes that's what's needed. Sometimes you've got to just. Call them out. And she disagreed with me, and I said, well, we disagree. And she's, and, and this Facebook friend said, yeah, we disagree, but, you know, we can still be friends. We're adults. And I said, yeah, my thoughts exactly. So so that's cool. I had another Facebook friend who I know a little bit better, because I've had little conversations with him on Facebook, and I know him a little bit better. Uh, he, poked, he pointed out this, you know, there's a picture of her, and he pointed out her clothes, uh, and saying that her clothes are, were probably not made in sustainable factories. They're probably made in factories that are polluting and whatever. And I, I said, my goodness. I said, Jesus, talk about grasping at straws. You know what? She probably farts, too. So she should just shut up about climate change. Because, you know, farts is methane gas, and methane is a, is a greenhouse gas. So she just shut her mouth. <laughs> and my, my friend took it in the, in the spirit given. He understood. That's like you know. She, she I, I, do you want her to be traveling around naked? <laughs> yeah, she's a sixteen-year-old kid, and you know, yeah, you know. Anyway, okay. Uh, <laughs> enough of that. She's person of the year. I think is a good choice. But none, but nev never forget that Time Magazine's person of the year isn't always necessarily an honorific. You know, they name persons of the year that are bad people too. You know, and, and others have, on occasion, and I've talked about it on the show previously, have uh, pointed out that you know, well, Time Magazine is named Hitler Man of the Year, so you know that shows you what they know. 
Yeah. Did you read the article? Because you can find the article. And the article is, is Time Magazine warning the world that Hitler's a bad guy, which the world knew. But the, 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 re, the person of the year is chosen uh, because of uh, they've had a, uh, in Time Magazine's estimation, uh, the most significant impact uh, on the world, socially, politically, or both. And that's why, you know. And for the Trump lovers, I'm sure he was in the running because he certainly does have an impact. Anyway, uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'll be back to talk about, uh, I don't know, whatever else I talk about. Whatever's in this book here. I'll, uh, I'll consult it in the break and I'll be back. podcast tells from the rabbit hole i've extended conversations with people who've been involved in conspiracy culture i do this for a couple of reasons firstly because it's really interesting these people have great stories about how they fell down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole what they did down there and what it was that helped them out sometimes i also talk to people who investigate conspiracy theories and they have equally fascinating stories from the other side secondly i want to understand how best to prevent the spread of conspiracy theories and misinformation which is an increasing problem in a time when alternative media is exploding the best way to do this is to communicate effectively with the people involved, and the best way to do that is with a nice long chat. So check it out, Tales from the Rabbit Hole, tftrh.com. Hey y'all, this is Tangina. You're gonna give me whiplash looking up there too. I've cleaned many houses. And I don't know what it is that hovers over Dr. Dim's house, but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and take his wallet away from him. And I think what we might be dealing with is the beast. Hold on. Did you just say that Dr. Dim doesn't believe in poltergeists, tiny fortune tellers, or the beast? Well, holy sh! Why the didn't somebody tell me? Anyway, Dr. Dim's a skeptic. He'll be right back on ztalkradio.com. I still think this house is clean. We'll all be hornswoggled. You're listening to Ztalk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident.
and welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the Ztalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. TV tropes. Uh, we are living in the new golden age of television. Uh, I remember uh, early in the 2000s, early 2000s, lamenting that uh, television at that time, and mainly broadcast television that I was exposed to, did not have a hell of a lot of really good scripted shows. Uh, I, it, dramas. I just, I just was looking at anything I would see in commercials, advertised shows. It was just reality show after reality show after reality show after reality show. That's what it was. And they're not really reality. Uh, and they're not, you know, and they're somewhat scripted. Yeah, maybe not in the traditional sense, but... There's production going on. There's, you know, and then the editing makes, creates narratives and, and such. And I just was not interested. I'm surprised to find out that Survivor is still on the air. <laughs> really? I see an ad for it. I watch you know football when it's on CBS, and I'll see ads for Survivor. I'm not what? That's that's still a thing. But I guess uh, I haven't. I didn't. I never really watched too many of the reality shows. Uh, my wife got me watching for a little bit uh, The Amazing Race, and I thought that one was okay. At least the contestants are doing something somewhat interesting. But uh, and she watched Amy watched Big Brother for a while, and she's dropped off of that. And, and we you know, just just don't watch it. And she watched Survivor. I think I watched Survivor for a little bit too, just you know because you watch TV with your wife. You know? What are you gonna do? And um, but I just never really got into it. And when Celebrity Apprentice was coming around with the with the game show host that is now our president, uh, he, he you know I mean you know Celebrity Apprentice was essentially a game show, right? Sort of. Anyway, um, I almost I attempted I attempted to watch uh, some Celebrity Apprentice. Uh, at the time, I was listening to Adam Carolla's podcast. Podcast. Uh, that was before I got tired of his "I'm rich because I work harder than you do" bullshit. And uh, and that may not be the exact thing that he says, but that's you know that's a strong bit of attitude there. Anyway, I don't want to get down that rabbit hole. But uh, I was still listening to him, and I was listening to Penn Gillette's podcast, and and uh, Penn and. Penn and Adam were both on that Celebrity Apprentice season. Might have been Pendulet's second time on. I know he's been on it twice. I thought, okay. I was hearing about some stuff on, on both their podcasts. They were talking about little bits here and there. And I said, all right, I'll, I'll check it out. And I put on, uh, I went online. And NBC had the, you know, the premiere episode on. And I got about ten minutes into it. Uh, before I remembered that, oh yeah, this is reality TV, and I don't care because <laughs> you know they have the the you know the the that that bit where you you're sitting down, the person on there is t sitting down talking to the camera and telling them, ah, oh, I was feeling this about that, this whatever, and this person did all this, and I just went, oh crap, I don't care about this, I don't care about this, and he, and, and Pendulet tried to be kind in what he was doing. He didn't want to be mean to people. He didn't want to be snarky. He didn't want to do that. Um, he came close to winning it, but uh, Trump didn't like him. 
So, it you know, whatever. Uh, partly, uh, and Penn will say that, has said this that part of what he held against Penn was that Penn was taller than him. <laughs> you know, Trump is fairly tall. Uh, Penn is taller. Well, anyway, so there's TV tropes uh, that we've been noticing because now we're in the new golden age of television where just there's all kinds of content to get. There's all kinds of shows you can watch. Uh, and 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 they're really good quality and, and stuff. Uh, but I've been noticing some stuff. One of the things I've noticed, at least in the shows I've been watching, is that so many characters are what would be considered functioning alcoholics. You watch Mad Men, and it's it's insane. Uh, True Detective. Uh, we just finished watching that, uh, the first season of that. And there's one character in particular that uh, you know that seems to be a functioning alcoholic, and and in Peaky Blinders, everybody on there, everybody. I mean, I swear, you know, uh, the the lead character on there, uh, Shelby, uh, Thomas Sh Thomas Shelby or Tommy Shelby, he's the leader of this crime family in Ireland, uh, and uh, and he's got a kid named Charlie who. I don't know how old Charlie is, but if he's like six, I'm expecting his, his Tommy to tell Charlie, well, okay, Charlie, it's time for your first shot of whiskey. You're six years old now. Let's go. Oh, and, you, and, you know, here's a cigarette. Um, oh, this one thing. True Detective, we've been watching it. And there was one thing that bothered me about True Detective. Matthew McConaughey, really good. And it's good to see him acting in roles that have some meat to him and show him that he has talent. He smokes a cigarette a lot in there. And he smokes a cigarette by, he lights it, he holds it sort of, you know, not between the two fingers, but he kind of holds it between finger and thumb uh, with his hand, it's hard to describe it. Put the cigarette in his mouth, he'll take a drag, and after he takes his drag, he goes, <laughs> almost every time. Takes a drag off the cigarette, and then, he does that. And I just go, what are you doing? <laughs> I've been watching Bogart movies. Bogart was a smoker. I've never seen Bogart take a drag off a cigarette and then go... <laughs> I, I, I don't get that. Anyway. So they're, they're functioning alcoholics. And then there's the trope of somebody's an alcoholic in one of these shows. Like, uh, Mad Men had this character named Duck Phillips who was brought into the series at some point. He used to be a drinker like everybody else, but then he stopped drinking and he has to try to straddle that road, walk that, walk that road uh, with a bunch of functioning alcoholics and not drink and still get the deals done and all that. And, 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 and then there's... But, so you get that character on there, and then I think to myself, okay, how many episodes before he drinks? Because it's it's one of the things. It's just like, well, he's got to fall off the wagon. I know it happens, but come on. Can we have a character that stays sober, got sober, and stays sober? I mean, even in Cheers, which is not exactly the golden age of television, but it was must-see TV. Even Cheers, with Sam Malone, the, the, the lead character, played by Ted Danson on there, a former baseball player, buys himself a bar. He had trouble with alcohol. Now that he was an alcoholic, and he stopped drinking. He, he runs a bar, and he doesn't drink. But even he had to have, they had to have a moment where he falls off the wagon. It's like, yeah, come on. Can we stay on? But the thing we've been, I've been noticing, 
and my wife brought this up. This bothers her too. We've watched a lot of detective dramas, cop dramas, and there, it, this, it's this trope that really bugs me. It bugs us, and it's generally it generally goes this way, but I think it can go the other way. You've got a male cop married to a female, and the wife is constantly putting the pressure on the on the on the cop to not be, you know, to not act like a cop. To you're always away. You don't see your children. You know, there's a time. You're distant. You're dizzy. You just you know, it's 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 just this constant. It's like you know, if they do have the understanding wife, it's usually because there's the older cop and the older wife, and and she says, "Hey, they're cops. This is what they deal with. Do you know what they see when they go out there? Do you know who they're dealing with?" It'd be like the accountant's wife being upset with the accountant who's gone from home from the middle of January till the middle of April. Well, it's tax time. What do you want me to do? It's my job. So the, you know, I'm a cop. You married a cop. And one of the things that really bothered me, although, and it, it shows up in just about every cop show we watch. It shows up in, in uh, uh, True Detective. It's in that. Uh, it was in uh, it was in uh, Law and Order uh, uh, Special Victims Unit. Uh, it was in that one. Uh, it, was, it just and and it shows up in the Law and Order series, you know, a little bit here and there. The original Law and Order series, which was more procedural and didn't have the personal lives be a main part of the shows. It was it would affect things, but it wouldn't be the main part. Uh, and but it would, it would show up in that, and and then. Um, it, but it, it, we, it especially bothered us when we were watching um, uh, uh, Mindhunter, which is FBI agents, and they're cops. And, and these two fellows are trying to you know, figure out serial killers. And they're trying to catch serial killers by using other serial killers who have been caught and talking to them and interviewing them and learning about what their, how their minds work to see if they can catch bad guys. And there's the older agent... He and his wife have an adopted son, and this adopted son is kind of a shy, not very outgoing, but starts to come out of his shell, but he gets mixed in with some wrong kids, and does something terrible happens. And at the same time, the older cop is being taken away from like Washington, D.C. He's got to go down to Atlanta because he and his partner are trying to catch a child killer. And he gets back every weekend, and he goes back to the thing, and he's just, you know, and it's and it's putting this tension on him. And, and the wife is just, you know, I want him to just grab her by the shoulders and just hold her tight, not hurt her, just hold her tight and look at her in the face and saying, I'm trying to catch a child killer. He's killing children, okay? This is my job. And yes... I don't like being away, but I'm doing everything I can to get my ass back here to do what I need to do with our kid. But I'm trying to catch someone who's killing children. Cut me some slack. Anyway. What time have I got here? Oh, gee whiz, i got to wrap up the show pretty quick. Here, um, uh, well, you know, I, I, I can't really do a Dimland radio with, uh, w without one of these, can I? time for another Dimland Radio pedantic moment. What did they get wrong this time, Dim? 
Well, I'm going to try and do this one quickly, even though it gets a little deeper than it starts out. Uh, a meme was shared. It's two photographs with some text. The top photograph is of a humpback whale with the headline, and this is good news. This has happened. This is true. Humpback whale population bounces back from near extinction from just 450 to over 25,000. The other picture that's underneath is the picture of the Enterprise crew, Star Trek, the original series film series, and it's the you know it's the original crew. They're all in their you know movie series outfits, except it's got uh, it's got uh, what's her name, uh, um, uh, Kirstie Alley. Uh, so this is actually Star Trek Two that they're showing us from, but they're trying to make you think of Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, in which the the Earth is being um, attacked, sort of, by a probe that's trying to get a message, you know, it's trying to get a hold of the humpback whales that had gone extinct. This is the 23rd century. The humpback whales went extinct, That's I think, in the 21st century, according to the movie. And there's no whales there. So the Enterprise crew decide, let's go back in time. They figure out a way to do a time warp thing. Go back in time to when there were humpback whales, Let's get a couple, a male and a female. Let's bring them back here, and they can tell the 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 probe to screw off. They're okay, and we you know repopulate the oceans with the with the whales. Never mind the fact that that's not a breeding population. Two is not a breeding population. It's not it's not enough. It's not enough. But let's say in the 23rd century they have technology to overcome the the problems that will happen when you inter, in, inbreed. You know, generation after generation. You know, uh, it turns out the two whales they get one of the the female is pregnant, so they'll have three whales to bring back. But you know, with the one still in in utero, they bring her bring them back, and you know they'll repopulate the the oceans with these humpback whales. Well, that's not really going to happen. They're they're going to end up dying because they'll inbreed and they'll all go bad, and then the probe will come back because it lost contact with them again, and then the whole thing will have to start over again. Or, like I said, maybe there's technology in the 23rd century with which to get the population to go. Well, the picture that's underneath this picture of the humpback whale, again with the headline, Humpback Whale Population Bounces Back from Near Extinction, underneath shows the Enterprise crew with the words, You're welcome. Um, the Enterprise crew made it possible to repopulate the oceans with humpback whales in the future in the 23rd century. Not now. They, t they came back to now, or a few years before now, to grab a couple of whales and bring them to the future. They didn't, they didn't come back to repopulate them now. So it, they went extinct, according to the movie. So why are they saying, you're welcome? You didn't do anything for us. But, oh, just when you thought. But, Maybe the movie itself, Star Trek IV The Voyage Home, which was the most popular of all the original cast Star Trek movies, the most successful, uh, maybe that helped sow some seeds into the minds of people and get people activated in trying to save the humpback whales now. And so maybe the movie, in an indirect way, influenced people to do something to save the humpback whales. Either way, it's good news that the whales have made a comeback. Good night, Cardoctor. Good night. 
Frau Blucher. Okay, the end of another episode has come upon us. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes page at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option. And as always, I remind you to be skeptical and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence and you should sleep with the lights off. Check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, I'm going to hell. Behave yourselves. Because Santa can still look into his magic snowball and see just what you're up to. And now that you know all about him, you can be darn sure that comes snow or high water, Santa Claus is coming to town. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not...